0: Good morning, FCBC Walnut family and friends. Thank you for joining us today for online worship. This weekend, we are celebrating the class of 2020. If you had hopped in on Facebook premiere, you might have noticed during the announcement time that there was a slideshow that highlighted all of our graduates from the middle school to the doctorate level. If you missed it, don't worry, it will show again at the conclusion of the premiere, but you can also click on the link that is in your congregational email to be able to access this slideshow so that you can celebrate with all of our graduates and their families. We are so proud of them and we know that this is just the beginning of the next season of following Jesus for our graduates. So let's continue to support them, root them on. In fact, if you're on Facebook Premier and you see them there, comment, congratulate them, say hello to them. In fact, you could do this across the board to everybody that you see online right now so that we're able to interact we're able to encourage and build each other up. Along the way, we're also grateful to the Relief Team who last weekend gathered together and reached out to our neighbors with care packages and personalized letters to show them and to point our intention to them of wanting to reach them, to love them, to serve them, and to pray for them. In fact, if you are online right now watching with us because you received one of those letters, thank you for joining us, thank you for being near our church. Thank you for being in our community. We hope to be able to continue to build a relationship with you, to pray for you and to serve you and to reach you in meaningful ways. So please continue to connect with us as well. Finally, we are in the process of reopening. As you have heard Pastor Albert speak last week as he presented their roadmap on behalf of FCBC Walnut on the steps and the way by which we are gonna approach reopening. If you want to watch it again, you're welcome to go to our YouTube channel and to be able to look at last week's sermon and to be able to come to the end and see that presentation. However, we are moving forward, and so we want to ask you to pray and join with us for God's wisdom, for God's discernment, and also for us to be a people that is regathering to a location rather than just coming back to a physical location in division or in different places. We want to be united together. So pray with me as we consider all of these things and also asking God to prepare our hearts for the hearing of His Word. Let's go and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for this morning, God, that we could celebrate the class of 2020. We thank you, Lord, for their accomplishments. We thank you for the support of their family. And we thank you, Father, for how you're using their various seasons of training and equipping in school to prepare them to be ambassadors of your gospel in the workplace and in the home. We pray, Father, that you would be with them, Lord, as they use this summer, Lord, to prepare for what's next. And we also pray, Father, that you will connect all of our graduates to their next level and next step of community and fellowship. Whether it's having the Gap students connecting up to Unicoi, Unicoi connecting up to TURF, TURF going into IT and IT going into various community groups and small groups to continue to follow Jesus faithfully. We pray, Lord, that you would connect them to the people in our church family that will continue to help them to grow. Father, we also want to pray, Father, for our relief team, God, as they continue to serve and also as we continue to shift our focus outward towards the community outside the four walls. We pray, Father, that the same burden that carries us to want to help one another in crisis in the church would also allow us to serve those outside the church. We pray, Lord, for those that may be tuning in this morning because they have received a letter from us and a care package from us. Lord, it's not about those gifts, but Lord, we do want them to feel welcomed and connected to our church. So help us, Lord, to grow in our burden, in our passion, in our desire. Lord, to build bridges and to build relationships with our neighbors. And we thank you for placing FCBC Walnut in the heart of the community that we are in at 1555 Fairway Drive. We praise you for your perfect plan in that. Finally, we want to pray, Lord, for our hearts, God, as we prepare to engage your word in the light of a pandemic, protests, and also plans for reopening. We pray, Father, that you will soften our hearts, Lord, that we will seek your will. We pray, Father, just like the Beatitude scripture memory for this month that ends this series where Jesus proclaimed that, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you, Father, that we would find ourselves in Christ first and foremost, Father, so that in the steps that we take and the plans that we make, Lord, that we would proclaim Jesus above all things. We thank you, Father, that as Paul was addressing the topic of spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6, that he called your people, Lord, to be people of prayer unceasingly in the Spirit, to be people of perseverance and being alert, and to be people that proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ as ambassadors. Help us, God, to embrace that role in our midst, in our discussions, in our conversations, and especially in our prayers with you and with one another during the week, Father, so that we may please you in our words and our actions in every way. So we thank you, Lord, and we pray for Pastor Albert as he's going to lead us into Ezra 4. Father, where many similar themes are going to be found as the, the people returning face opposition. We pray, Father, that we might be able to glean deep wisdom and truths from your word. And we pray, Father, that we may live them out as ambassadors of your gospel in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Good morning, church. Every good work will
1: encounter oppositions. And there are very few exceptions to this statement. And this statement certainly holds true in the rebuilding of the temple. See, towards the end of chapter 3, last week, we talked about how everything seems to go well after the Israelites laid the foundation of the temple that ended with a big celebration. But now, Ezra will show you How the rebuilding project will be stopped for about 16 years. The shouts and praises at the celebration will be silenced. Why? Because every good work will encounter opposition. And this one is no exception. Ezra chapter 4 verses 1 to 5 shows the opponents coming on the scene to stop the work of God. Let me read to you Ezra chapter 4 verses 1 to 5. It says, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exile were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Jerubbabel and the heads of father's houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do, and we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Ezahadon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Jerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of the heads of father's houses in Israel said to them, you have nothing to do with this in building a house to our God. But we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. In this short passage here, we can see five tactics that the enemies employ and deploy to kill the project of rebuilding the temple. First of all, it is by compromising. Verses one to three. See, in verse one, it's clearly stated that they are the adversaries of the work of God. And in verse four, who are they? They they tell that, that these are the people of the land to discourage the work, to stop the work, to bribe the counselors. Now, it sounds familiar, right? Because in chapter 3, verse 3, we have encountered these people. In chapter 3, verse 3 says, They set the altar in its place, for fear was on them because of the people of the lands. So they have encountered this group of people. Whether they are the people of the land or the adversaries, it is the same person. Who are they? They are the Samaritans. You see, after the fall of Northern Kingdom in 722 BC, the Assyrian government encourages its residents to move to the Northern Kingdom of Israel and to settle there. And, And they bring with them their idol worships. But once they settle into the Northern Kingdom, they begin to embrace the worship of Jehovah as well, to be part of their worship. In 2 King chapter 17, verses 33 and 34 tells clearly about this incident. It says so they fear the Lord, the Samaritans, but also serve their own gods after the manner of the nations from among whom they have been carried away. To this day, they do according to the former manner. They do not fear the Lord, they do not follow the statutes or the rules or the laws all the commandments that the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel. And these people ultimately intermarried with the Jews, and their descendants are called the Samaritans. They are a mixed breed racially, but also religiously. So the returnees from Babylon, they kind of despised the Samaritans. And it was this people of the land who approached Zerubbabel and Joshua, and offered to rebuild the temple of God together with the Jews. So in verse 2, says they approached Jerubbabel and the heads of fathers' houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do. And we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Asahadon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. See, they came with the intention to form alliance with the Israelites by building commonality. You and me built together. It is our project. You and me worship the same God. You know, it is our God. And just to show you how committed we are, they say, we have been sacrificing to him since the day of Eszahedon. We were brought here by Eszahedon. From then until now, we have been very committed to this faith here. But in verse 3, you know what happened? The, 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 uh, the leadership Jerubbabel, Joshua, and the heads of the household says, you have nothing to do with us in building a house to our God, but we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Because there's nothing in common as far as worshiping God is concerned to the leadership. Nothing to do with us. It says, we alone will build. There is no compromise. You see, Jeroboam refused their offer because even though they worshipped Yahweh, Jehovah God, they did not worship Him exclusively. As the first commandment in Mosaic Law, in Exodus chapter 20, you shall worship the Lord your God only. You shall have no other God before me. God says clearly, I am the only God, but not the Samaritans. They worship all kinds of gods. You see, when the fundamental truth is at stake, there is no compromise. The Samaritans practice syncretism. It is God, Jehovah God, plus the Babylonian god, plus Assyrian gods, plus Egyptian gods. Anything goes. God plus the more Maria approach. You know, we thank God for very discerning. Leaders like Zerubbabel and Joshua and the heads of Israel's house. They know we are not worshipping the same God. We thank God for very decisive leaders like Zerubbabel and Joshua and the heads of Israel's households. Because they draw the line from the very beginning. No compromise. And we thank God for the very courageous leaders like Zerubbabel and Joshua and the heads of Israel's households because they know that there will be repercussions. But to stand with God and to make a statement and to no compromise in their faith, they are showing their discernment, they are showing their decisiveness, they are showing their courageous leadership in the midst of invitation for compromise. You know, the Bible exhorts church leaders to watch out for heresies, for false prophets, for troublemakers, for wolves, clothed in sheep's skin, coming to steal the sheep, for deceivers. We thank God for our church leadership, for our leadership team, with high view of God and high view of scriptures, to continue to watch over the household of God, the church of Jesus Christ. You know, when the leadership of the Jews says, you have nothing to do with us, that exclusiveness displayed by them, probably troubles some of us growing up in the culture that values tolerance and and diversity and pluralism uh, with the mindset of a post-modernity where everybody is for himself or for herself. Now, there is a place for compromise when there is only about styles and ways of doing things. But when it is about the basic fundamental doctrines, there is no compromise and the statement holds true you have nothing to do with us in worshiping god in basic doctrines because it is important to the purity of the covenant community it is important to the purity of the doctrine see this is the first line of defense if we lose ground by compromising in a basic and fundamental truth everything else will crumble sooner or later when the line is drawn No compromise, it invites more attacks. So in verses 4 and 5, it says, Then the people of the land discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to build. See, they use discouragement, they use fear, and bribe counselors. They use lobbying power against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. See, consistent attack, okay? Un- re- relentless attack uh, upon the Israelites to try to discourage their work. So, let me move to the point second. Uh, another tactic that we're going to use is by discouragement. You know, the word discourage just means to relax the hand or to make the hand weak. That's the whole picture of discouragement. You don't feel like working anymore. You don't have the power and the willpower and the determination to keep on doing what you are supposed to be doing. That's being discouraged. You have no more courage. See, a continuous and persistent opposition oftentimes drain your stamina. And and source of discouragement come with many many areas. Sometimes it is the opponents who hurl insult at you. Other times they smear your names or taint your reputation. Sometimes you have fruitless effort and you wonder, should I go on? Other times you may magnify the negatives and forgetting the positives. Sometimes it's because of the tension within the team and you feel like, should we go on together as a team? Other times, maybe people judge your good intention. You come with good intention, but they misinterpret your intention. You feel hurt by the process and you are discouraged. See, discouragement comes from many sources. But ultimately, it does something to your spirit. It weakens your spirit. It weakens your willpower. It lowers your morale. You know, sometimes when we are embarking on a project, uh, we hope to see results. But, you know, uh, JCR, Lick leader, reminds us that people tend to overestimate what can be done in one year and to underestimate what can be done in 5 or 10 years. We want to see quick results. We want to see instant gratification. But unless you invest and persevere throughout the process, you may not see results. So do not underestimate what can be done in 5 to 10 years. As we are in the safe at home order, still going through this process, even though the businesses and even churches slowly uh, reopening. Many of us are discouraged by the COVID-19 pandemics that continue to inflict the war. But there are even the racial tension and riots that ha- just happened in this, in this week or two. Uh, we are discouraged by the demonstration of poor leadership nationally or state or, or in city. Uh, we were discouraged by the unrest around the world like Hong Kong uh, where protesters begin to emerge to, to express their dissatisfa- dissatisfaction. And then we look at the economic outlook and we wonder how long do we have to wait for the economy, economy to pick up. We feel discouraged. But in the midst of discouragement, I want to remind you that when we have the biblical mindset, uh, the worldview that the Bible gives us, that God is sovereign. He is the Lord of history. Nothing happens by accident. Christ will return and he will bring justice and peace forever and ever. And that's the hope that we have in the midst of discouragement. So the opponents employ compromising. They employ discouragement. Now they move into using a very old tactic and one of the most effective one, which is by fear. Fear has been used so frequently and so effectively for so many centuries and generations because fear attacks your emotion. It paralyzes you. Remember the beginning of the pandemic? Fear gripped so many of us and we felt paralyzed. We are afraid to move. We we just hide and hunker down as far as we can. And remember, fear is also very contagious. It spreads to the people around you. It affects people around you. Fears makes you wonder about the future. Do I have the future? And fears of unknown replaces your dreams and your vision for the project. You keep asking, what if? What if? What if the funding dries up? What if people miscontrol us? What if we can't finish? What if we get infected? What if we lose the job? When all these what-ifs keep running in your mind, that fear grips you and you become paralyzed. Some of us are gripped by fear, even right now. Maybe not from COVID-19, because we begin to live in a new normal. We learn how to live with COVID-19 now. Maybe not so much with a job. Thank God you still have a job. But many of us are sensing and feeling in this week or two weeks, the pressure from the social media to respond, to make a statement, to take a stand. And all they want is you take a stand on their side. You make a statement that is consistent, that is in sync with their statement. They want you to utter what they want you to say. And you are afraid because it is so unpopular. You are afraid because you'll be labeled. Brothers and sisters in the midst of those fear and social pressure, let me remind you, we say what the Bible wants us to say. But some of us are caught in the middle because both statements are true. Both sides are true. Both sides reflect the teaching of God's Word. God talks about this, and God talks about that as well. Then, when both truths are revealed in God's Word, let me remind you, Exercise wisdom. Exercise discernment. This is what we need today. We have a lot of news. We have a lot of information. that come very quickly. We are flooded with them. In fact, overloaded by them. But we are lacking in wisdom. Wisdom that is time-tested. Wisdom that look at things in a whole perspective. That hears different narratives before we make a statement. Before we make... A decision. Discernment, the ability to discern what is right, what is wrong, what is the right thing to do, what is the right response, that discernment is lacking today. So, as you rush to respond, as you felt pressure to respond, if you felt compelled to respond, I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, go back to God's wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Fear God before you make any statement. Fear God before you take any action. That will give you the right discernment to respond to whatever is happening. Remember in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10, it says, If you faint in the days of adversity, your strength is small. If you faint, if you become weak in the day of adversity, Your strength is small. You'll be manipulated. You'll be used by people. You are only merely a data in the hands of others to serve their agenda. Don't become a tool used by people. We are servants of God. We want to be utilized by our great and mighty God to do the right thing. And then, thirdly, uh, fourthly, by lobbying. By lobbying. It says they bribe counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. How does it actually work? We don't know. But they lobby counselors. Who are the counselors? We don't know exactly who they are, whether they are officials in the palaces, in government officials, or they are important people, the VIPs of different communities. We don't know exactly how it is being utilized against and frustrates the purpose of the Jewish Intention to rebuild the temple. We don't know exactly, but probably a combination of all that. They, they use powerful people to frustrate the rebuilding project from every front. So the Samaritans are working on the ground. They bribe, they use money to get more people, in, important people, so that every front is covered and leave no room for survival, no chance for survival of the project. That's the whole intention. Now, If you put it in today's turn, it can probably be uh, uh, hiring of lobbying groups, or uh, hiring of the PR firms, or, or using the cyber army to send a message, uh, or using fake news to confuse people to their own advantage. That's the idea. But generally, lobbying attacks your characters. See, when your character is being attacked, when your integrity is being discredited, people do not believe in you anymore. People do not follow you anymore. People do not come together to do the project with you anymore. Lobbying is powerful. And that's what they employed to use against and to frustrate the work of God. And and finally, by Relentless attacks, that's the most terrible thing because all these oppositions doesn't happen at one time or one incident or one episode. They keep doing that. Verse 5 says, All the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. You talk about a duration of 15 to 20 years? Relentless attacks, attacks after attacks, they just don't give up. And, and without a clear vision of the rebuilding of the temple, it wears you down. You will have given up very quickly. You know, uh, a Nazi uh, politician, which is an inner circle of Adolf Hitler, his name is Joseph Goebbels, said this, repeat a lie often enough, and it becomes the truth. He's a propaganda machine for the Nazi party in Germany during Second World War. He says, repeat a lie often enough and it becomes the truth. That's the rule he abides by to try to emulate the Jews, try to eliminate the Hanukkah people, try to Im- Im- eliminate people that the Nazi Germany do not want to live in this world by repeating a lie often enough and people begin to buy it. They begin to feel that this is the right thing to do and they come along Together with the Nazi, and almost wanting to eliminate all these people whom they consider as as unfavorable for the society. Saying it long enough, it becomes truth, and people begin to buy it. Repetition makes a fact seem more true, regardless of whether it is or not. That's terrible. And you know what today, with the Availability of technology, with Wi-Fi connection, with social media, with news and everything that we are saturated, that we keep feeding in and every day, we become victims of relentless attacks. We need to watch out. We need to watch out for all these lies around us. We need to have the probing spirit, the discerning eyes, the wisdom from God to tell what is a lie and what is a truth and not being brainwashed uh, by all these uh, messages around us. See, these are the common tactics, whether by relentless attacks or lobbying or discouragement um, or compromising. These are the common tactics that opponents have used over the years. And they seem to work. It stopped the rebuilding of the temple for 16 years. What would stop you from worshipping God today? What would stop you from serving God? What would stop you from following Jesus? Oppositions are real. And in the midst of a crisis globally, we are called to stand strong in the midst of opposition. When you are under relentless attacks, don't compromise your belief. Don't confuse your mind. Don't sap your emotions. Don't sell your character. And today, my message to you is God shapes and molds his servants in the midst of oppositions to be vessels useful to the master. See, in the midst of all this oppositions, God is shaping the leaders. God is shaping his servants so that they become strong. They become stronger as vessel useful to the master. Today, I want to give you three applications that starts with P. One is to praise God second to pray, and third to persevere. Let me start with the first one. In the midst of oppositions, in the midst of all the bad news and disappointments and and just a lot of fake news and and all kinds of ideologies and the society is being polarized, how do we respond? We felt so discouraged, right? I want to encourage you, first of all, learn to praise God. There is power in praising God. Look at Acts chapter 16. When Paul and Silas was imprisoned, in the city of Philippi, for the sake of the gospel. What happened? It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Praising God elevates the sovereignty of God. It affirms the goodness of God focuses on the will of God. That's the power of praising God. I want to encourage you in the midst of disappointment, discouragement, when you feel down, learn how to praise God. Because when we praise God, the message of the lyrics of the song that often trace back to the Bible, the doctrines of God, just lift up our spirit to help us to grow. You know, lately there's a popular song written by Uh, two Christian composers, um, Carrie, Job, and Cody Karn, called The Blessing. It was composed about three months ago uh, from the Elevation Church. This song basically focuses on the Word of God, the Aaronic blessings, Aaronic blessings in Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His countenance towards you and grant you peace. Amen and amen. And then he quote from other scriptures that says, "May He favor be upon you, a thousand generation, and your family and your children and their children. And may His presence go before you and behind you and beside you and all around you and within you. He is with you." In the morning, in the evening, in your coming, and your going, in your weeping, in your rejoicing, He is for you, He is for you, He is for you. It's all from the Bible. But this powerful song catches, ignites fire around the world. Many, many countries brought together churches singing on video, sometimes up to 700 people singing. They, they sing individually, record individually, and they put them together into a video presentation. Sometimes it is from different denominations coming together. Sometimes it's one church singing together. The power of praising God, the power of focusing on God, lifts up their spirit, gives them hope. That's the power of praising God. When you are in a lockdown situation, brothers and sisters, before we all come back to church, I want to encourage you to praise God. Learn to praise God. There is power in praising God. Secondly, I want to encourage you to pray. Pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Do not stop praying. Keep yourself in the spirit of prayer. You know, opposition comes in many forms. The toughest ones are those unknown to us. We don't even know they are there. We are talking about spiritual warfare, where Satan devours us, Satan deceives us, Satan tempts us, and prayer stops the assault, the satanic assault. There's a power of prayer. Prayer keeps you vigilant. Prayer unleashes the power of heaven on earth. Prayer keeps you in the presence of God. Prayer keeps you humble and increases your faith in God. That's the power of prayer. You know, we are, thank God we see an increase in the online prayer meeting. and But we, we are only talking about 10% of the church or 20% of the church. The other 80% when you are not uh, participating on Wednesday night's online prayer meeting. Pray anyway. You, you can't make it, but you pray anyway. Pray as you drive to work. Pray for your families. Pray for your loved ones. Pray for yourself. Pray to grow deep in Christ. In the midst of oppositions and in the midst of crisis, learn to praise God, learn how to pray to God. And finally, to persevere. There's no other way to counter opposition than to persevere. First Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that nothing is in vain. Why? Because in 1 Corinthians chapter fifteen says, because Christ is a risen Lord. He is a risen Lord, and we shall rise again with Him. The greatest enemy, death, is being dealt with, permanently, forever dealt with, because Christ is a risen Lord. There's nothing else that can threaten us. Our greatest enemy is death. When that is being taken care of, there's nothing to fear. Therefore, we persevere. You know, in my past lessons of leadership, in my past serving the Lord, experiences of serving the Lord, I discovered that criticism will disappear when no one believes them anymore. But it takes a while. Initially, people will listen to criticism and stand with them. But after a while, if you keep persevering, if you keep persevering, when people do not believe the critics anymore, they begin to believe in you. It takes perseverance. I learned that attacks will stop when they run out of ammunition. That means they will fire for a while because they have ammunitions. But you know what? When they run out of ammunitions, when they run out of accusations, when they run out of reasoning, there's no more firing. They have to stop. But it takes a while before you get there. I learned that discouragement will go away when results begin to show. When we lead and show them possibilities, when there's no result, people get discouraged, they get disillusioned. But... It takes a while for the result to begin to show and begins to emerge. And once it emerges, discouragement will begin to go away. It takes a while. Fear, I learned that fear will disappear when faith is restored. It takes a while to restore your faith, but once the faith is restored, fear will dissipate. Fear will go away. It takes a while. You have to persevere. I learned that false accusations will crumble when your integrity is being proven. It takes a while to prove your integrity. People may be skewed in their ways. They may be affected by the rumors and by the the impression that people try to give you. But once you see the reality of the person, the integrity of a person, the false accusation will just crumble. It takes a while. I learned that it takes... Perseverance to allow all this to happen. And once that happens, the tide will turn. That's the power of perseverance. As one one pastor said, tough times never last, but tough people do. So I want to encourage you to praise God. I want to encourage you to pray to God. I want to encourage you to persevere in the midst of opposition, in the midst of changes. Brothers and sisters, as we are preparing our church to come back to worship together, to reopen the church together, as a pastor, as a pastoral team, we want to invite you to come back. It's time to come back. We have been providing, we have been having our worship online long enough. It's time to come back. After 9, 12 weeks of offering online worship, we settle into a new reality. We don't participate as fully as before. We are not as engaging. We are not responding to the online preaching and the preachers asking you to stand for benediction. We don't stand anymore. We become sloppy in the way we do worship. Just worship alone. Imagine other aspects of our ministry. That's what happens when we do not have the community together. The community inspires each other, pray for one another, encourage each other, love each other, serve each other. We, we are missing that part to help us to grow strong. It's time to come back. Yes, even in the midst of COVID-19 continues to spread, it's time to come back. We will try to be as safe as we can to come back, but I want you to pray and be ready to come back because by coming back in 1555 Fairway Drive, that's where the full extent of church life is being experienced. So I want to to ask you to persevere, to praise God and to pray to God for God to draw us back to him and worship him together as a church. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for this message today because as the Israelites who came back to rebuild the temple face opposition, we will face opposition and challenges in life as well. But Father, I pray that you teach us to learn how to praise you in the midst of oppositions. Teach us to learn how to pray to you in the midst of oppositions. And teach us to know how to persevere. Persevere until we come back and worship together in this place as a church body of Christ. We look forward to that, Lord. We want to thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.